Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody. Mike here, Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, another week, another episode. We're in late May already. It's it's pretty great because uh, we're only a couple of months away from the National. And uh, just, just the best time of year. You know, we got a lot of hobby stuff happening over the next couple of months. And, it, and it's a lot to look forward to. And, and I certainly am. Uh, today's episode is going to be really fun and and mainly from you guys out there because through DMs and and I'll tell you all a story here in a minute once I get my guest on today about what prompted this episode. But I get a lot of DMs asking the question about how do I get started in vintage? And I don't know that I've ever done an episode just talking about that. So I thought that uh, I would take some time to kind of go through that thought process that the best thing I'm going to say if you don't hear anything else this episode is there's no wrong way to do vintage. Uh, there's so much of it out there, but I, I didn't want to just throw my opinions out into the netherworld. I want you guys uh, to hear from someone else too. So I decided to invite on uh, one of my really good friends, Mr. Don field of dreams cards. Hi, Don. What's up, Mike? How you doing, buddy? You know, I'm hanging in there. Are you getting excited about the national? I am. It's uh, although I got a little, little taste this past weekend because I got to hang out with four YouTubers at the Pittsburgh show. So it's just a, it's a primer for the national to get us, get us ready. And I, I know you did as well uh, with some YouTubers. So it's, it's, uh, it's a little practice run for the national kind of. Yeah, you know, I was in Dallas at the Dallas show, and I think these two shows that we both attended are, are a great example of what we're going to talk about today right i mean you and i were talking this you know earlier getting ready to do this show and you had some examples too and so the idea simply dawn is i'll tell you this story of what happened to me and then we can start getting into it the at the dallas show i was sitting there and a gentleman came up to me and i apologize i don't remember his name he said he religiously listen to the show and he'll know who he is when, when I talk about this conversation, because, uh, but I, I don't remember his name. I, and I, apologize. he's the one that watches it. The one person right. that religiously <laughs> the show. Exactly. Yeah, and you forgot his name and I forget. Yeah. I don't even, that's <laughs> terrible. Isn't it? Um, worst at names. So he, he came up to me and he said, Hey, I, I've been in ultra modern for a, for a while now. I've gotten back into the hobby. Like this is such a familiar story that I hear all the time. I've gotten back into the hobby, buying the new stuff, shiny stuff. It's all great, but I really want to get into vintage. 
where do I start was his question. And I thought that was such an open-ended question that has so many potential answers, right? Yeah, there's no way to give one perfect answer for that. One of my suggestions is go after something you like, whether it's it's a team you follow, a certain player, maybe a set you collected as a kid and you don't have them anymore. Um, you know, you don't have to go after the, the Babe Ruths and the Hank Aarons and the Willie Mays to start off. Um, you know, just dip your feet into the water and just test it out. Um, but just think of something that interests you. Well, Don, maybe tell your story about your personal journey from in collecting how you got onto vintage and just what's the appeal to you. And again, it's going to be very personal to each person why they love vintage so much. But tell that story. Maybe that can help. Right. So my, my first pack of cards was in 1976 and I was nine years old and uh, I had wrecked my bicycle at my neighbor's house and I had to get 15 stitches in my knee. And the neighbor, she brought me over a pack of cards. That was the first pack I ever had. And um, so for me, I, I kind of started in the vintage area. But era. remember at the time, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but at the time, those were modern cards. Those were the That's where I was going to go. So cards. I was a modern collector um, yeah. at one time. And just, you know, like a lot of guys on here, except for you, because I don't think you've ever stopped, but took a few hiatuses. And uh, I remember the first really vintage card I bought and I walked into this car store. And at the time, this was in the early 90s. There were car stores all over the place. And I had no clue what to buy. I didn't know anything about the years. I knew some of the old pirates. And uh, I ended up buying a 1960 Bill Mazeroski. So it goes back to kind of what I was saying earlier is my favorite team. At the time, he wasn't a Hall of Famer. But, you know, I think it was $10. And, you know, I still remember that card. And um, like I said earlier, there's just no right way to collect. There's nobody that collects exactly the same. Even though we're very similar, Mike. Right. We're not 100%. But why, why that Mazeroski? What was the... I think it was familiarity, okay. you know, because I knew who he was in the team. And I figured, well, for 10 bucks, I knew he was considered a really good player. I didn't see him play, at least on defense. Um, so that's what attracted me to it, being a Pirates fan. It was later on that I got to learn about other cards and players. And uh, and being a fan of the game is what attracts me to vintage. And, and I'll buy some packs of modern cards every year just for fun. But if you hear me on my channel talking about, you know, my stand Museum modern, I, I don't know what any of those sets are. I don't know the names. Um, and, and to be honest, I don't try to. Um, I just think there's a distinct collector life cycle that we all go through, but a lot of, if you stay in the hobby long enough, you start out, we all start out as, as current, current collectors, right? Right. Current era, whatever that is. Mine was the early eighties. Yours was the late seventies. Others might be the two thousands or whatever, right? <laughs> Wherever you get into the hobby, you're most likely going to collect the players you can watch on TV and, the teams that are your hometown teams or whatever, right? That And then it, during this life cycle, you mature and you get older and you go, you know, maybe I should uh, get into some of this stuff. And it, as you mature, like as I matured as a human being, it doesn't mean I didn't want to be a kid all the 
time. Like I always, the old, the whatever was current, you know, I, I, it's not that you have to only do one or the other vintage or modern, or it, it can be all inclusive, but you start going, your, your tastes start, you know, you start refining your tastes over time. It's like a, you're like, Hmm, I kind of want uh Roberto Clemente or Mickey Mantle or Sam usual right. those types of cards, right. Whether it's set building a 58 top set or something like that. And I just think most collectors, again, if you do it long enough, you're going to start having a hankering for the old stuff. Uh, and that can, it, go, go ahead. Mike, sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. That never ends. You right. know, I, I've always been a, a post war hall of fame guy. Now being on YouTube and meeting you guys and watching something, I didn't know anything about food and beverage. I, I knew very little about pre-war. I still know very little about pre-war, but I'm starting to pick some of it up, starting to pick up some of the food and beverage. There's just so much out there. Like, don't be intimidated because you're never going to get it all. You're, you're not going to know it all. There's so much, but you just keep changing and just going after stuff. And, and my gosh, if, if you're watching this or listening to this podcast, get on YouTube. You will get such an education if you're intimidated by old cars. There's so many of us on here. And, and these people are willing to help. You know, if anyone ever watches my channel and has a question, I'd gladly answer it, as would you, Mike, and a bunch of other guys. There's that's that's the beauty of having this that I didn't have 20 years ago. Yeah. You learn about this stuff from other people. Yeah, and it's I hear a lot. I'm I don't, I want to buy the right stuff. And to me, that's the wrong question someone should be asking themselves. They need to be asking themselves, what do I care about? Right. And yeah, I mean, there, there's no right stuff. I mean, I bought cards that would I buy again? Not necessarily. Most of them I would. Maybe the condition I wouldn't buy now that I bought back then. But I'm kind of like you. I don't, once I have the card, I'm done. I don't upgrade it very rarely um just move on and that's what i said earlier none of us collect this the same there's no right or wrong card to get it, it's what you said it, do you like it then that's the right card yeah i remember buying i loved the 60 top set always and bought those and then i would go to a show and like my my vintage journey has been very progressive in the sense that I didn't just dive head first into vintage and I don't think people, I think people rarely do, but it was all at the beginning. It was always a, a monetary issue. Right. Liking vintage was never the problem. It was affording vintage sure. and saying, okay, I'm going to dabble in some of this stuff. I always liked the, the old stuff. And so I would go, you know, I'm going to buy this card or that card. And I remember going to a national, you know, like eight years ago and seeing a, Roy Campanella card and just thinking it was so cool. And that was it. That's all I bought. You know what I mean? Like, and then I started, Oh, maybe I can go get the next one. I want to add to his run or I want to add yeah. more players from that particular set. It was a 53 tops by the way. And at that time, I wish I could go back, you know, four or five years and I would empty the bank account buying higher grade vintage. Uh, but I was trying to make the best, physical decisions, you know, uh, around my hobby. And like, I can only spend so much and I, and I have other stuff I wanted. This is when I was still a player collector, you know, of Josh Hamilton. And so was, most of my hobby money was going to that, you know, 
don't what I hear a lot is I want to buy the right stuff. I don't want to make a mistake. Do not be afraid. Another piece of advice that I think Don will echo is do not be afraid to make a mistake because you will. And it's okay. <laughs> like you will end up buying something that you go, God, I wish I wouldn't have bought that. Uh, no matter how much research you do, no matter how much planning you do, just get ready for some, some amount of disappointment in your journey in collecting vintage. And on the flip side of that, you're going to be like, I can't believe I didn't buy that card. Right. But I could have. It's like, I'm killing my, kicking myself for it. But that's a great point. My regrets of not buying stuff is way greater than my regrets. Yep, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have bought that. Right. Oh, um, I mean, it's, it's a hundredfold more, man, I wish I would have bought that. So, and I remember the cars. I remember a lot of great cards that I bought and stories around them. I also have a lot of great stories of remembering cards that I remember seeing and not pulling the trigger on and regretting that later. Right. Those stories stick with you. And what all that does is build experience. Like all we're doing is building a story, right? In your, in your collecting life. And all these little experiences start mounting up and you turn into, I, I hate to use the word expert because I think that's a terrible word. None of us are experts. No, anything. no. But, but we're we just have some experience. We're experienced. That's right. And experience turns into wisdom, right? And so what Don and I are trying to do today is impart some wisdom on you in that don't be afraid to make mistakes. You can't buy the perfect thing every time. Um, and I've always found for myself, if I see a card and I absolutely love it, and it's in my price range. I, I've never once regretted that. Like that's telling you, at least for me, that's the right card. Yeah. Right there, whoever it is. And it's like, I just see it and go, wow. And, and like I said, and it fits the budget, then pull the trigger on it. Like an example, I'm not going to say the card because the guy hasn't shown it on his video yet. But John Wade Boggs fan said, Don, I'm in between two cards. And I looked at them both and I said, I'm, I'm not going to give you my opinion, but all day long I would buy one over the other. And then he said, well, no, let me know. He goes, you would pick this one, right? Which he was right. I was like, yes, I would. And he ended up getting it and uh, he'll show it soon. I don't want to spoil it. That's awesome. But again, that's the beauty of having someone like John, even though he's, he's around our age and collecting the seventies, he's kind of jumped back into vintage. You know, he was so heavy on Wade Boggs um cards and so you know he was relying on someone else to help him out and uh you know to me i felt like he could get the other card all day long but this card you don't see as much and it was in his budget and it was like go for it and there's nothing wrong with being a player collector either right, right. oh and no no i'm not saying that no, i knew you were i was just re i was emphasizing yeah that point. i know of course you don't feel that way um another what I try to tell people if they're getting into vintage is the whole, you hear it a lot on my channel, you hear it on Eric and other people. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And the vintage world is totally that way. Unless you're, you know, win the lottery, you're not going to have everything today. And so being selective, being patient, um, biding your time to get cards that you want to add to your collection, think of the journey of it. And, I'm guilty of not doing that sometimes. Like I was I'll, just going to say, I've had to force myself yeah. to rein it in because I just want to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of not following this my own advice. Um, 
which is probably the when you know it's good advice is when you <laughs> meaning it's it's hard advice to follow right and even for ourselves who have been doing this for a long time is that i'll start building a set like i built my 60 or what what year was it 60 tops i think i finished it in like a month and everybody's like enjoy the journey and i'm like i want to get it done you know you some cars for that set yeah you were done in no time yeah right so i i enjoyed it and i'm glad i have it and i i just looked through it the other day literally right. so it, it's not um but you have all of us are on budgets of some kind and so you have to be patient you have to pick your spots um but you also have to be opportunistic when they come up and the reason why i say take it slow especially if you're new to vintage is that you may go start going down a certain path and realize that that doesn't do it for you for whatever reason and you don't want to be so deep into something that you're kind of pot committed to that project and so if you take it slow and like if you pick a player uh steve carlton or i'm, I'm trying to think of like not an expensive guy yep. to to do a player run or or you want to get all of the 1960 pittsburgh pirates team cards you know all their cards buy a few of them and then go okay do i still love these a yeah. couple of weeks later a month later and like okay and if you're itching to buy them like buy more of them that's a good sign and that's a good set because really you only have clemente in there that's super expensive right you know? that's so, one example but you you know yankees or right cardinals or dodgers or whatever right and um, i tend to do sets sometimes that don't have mickey mantle right um because it's just so much more affordable not that i don't like mickey mantle and i, I have four or five of his cards but to me, I just don't feel that he's worth the money that it's going to cost you. And someone said, so I did the 54 top set. There's no man on it. I'm working on the 50 Bowman set. I mean, you know, there are Jackie Robinsons in there. I'm not saying they're all cheap, but, and I've done, I did the 56 set. It's got man in it, you know, so I'm just, there's just other ways to go around it. If you're not a particular fan of that guy. Um, well, you could even do like, one thing I, I love all-star cards, right? Especially right. late fifties, early sixties, you might go, Hey, I'm going to go do the 58 tops all-star set. And, and, and I try to say to people, you know, bite off small chunks at first when you're getting started, right? Don't, don't be like, I'm going to collect every, like I, my dumbass. you know, pick up every card from 1950 to 1989. Right. Um, but go, I'm going to do this all-star. And that's actually how it started for me. I started going, I'm going to do the 73 hall of famer run and i got done i'm like okay i want to keep going then i did the 60 tops hall of fame run mm -hmm. and then i you know so i it, it was a project that built on itself it didn't start out with this gigantic project but as i got more and more pieces of it done the the just logical continuation of that was to continue adding sets and so do an all-star set you know there's so many great players and they're and they're relatively cheap right Rel less than you know base cards or whatever um and by the grades you can uh, buying graded vintage and people ask me this all the time i want to get your opinion because i know yours is different than mine and that's a good thing i'm a psa guy right i buy psa stuff right. but um you know would you tell people if they're starting in vintage because i get this question all the time do i buy 
graded? And if so, what company? Or do I buy raw and then get it graded? Or do I just buy raw? What's your kind of... What, so what I'm obviously you? biased because like you, I, I like my cards graded. Not that there's anything with raw. I mean, I, I bought a raw Diamond Star Al Simmons this weekend. I saw just it. Because I couldn't find a graded one. I'm going to send it in to get graded. But um, I also knew the collector and I, I'm not worried about the it being legit or not. Um, and again, uh, opposite to you, I like, or not like, but I collect PSA and SGC. But I'm a big fan uh, of graded for a couple reasons. One, I'm 95% sure it's legit. Um, no one in my family has interest in my cards, so they're documented what they are. And like you, the grade does not matter nearly as much to me as it used to. Um, I mean, I have some cards that are twos and threes that I think look like six and sevens. You know, I have some seven and eights, but I got those when they were much cheaper. Um, so don't be, don't feel you have to get sevens or eights either. I mean, there's some collectors, that's the way they collect and they, they can afford it to each his own. I can't. And to be honest, like some of the cards, like, uh, are you familiar with the Black Swamp find? Oh, cards? yeah, sure. They almost look too perfect. They look like right. recent. Like, wait a second. Like, oh, they're so pristine that they, yeah. they, they don't have any patina on them. They don't look like they're from that era. And I don't mind that on vintage. I was telling someone the other day, I'm, you know, I'm going to be a lot pickier on a late 60s Clemente than I am a 1934 Gaudi player on condition. You know, some of these cards, or maybe it's Jackie Robinson. I just want them in my collection. And I know you do too. Um, with certain players that it's like, it's fine. I, I'm not saying there's anything against Raw. It's just my personal preference. That I, I like him graded. I like the way SGC looks. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea to start off with getting a few graded until you kind of get a feel for what's going on so you don't get ripped off on a roll. Literally one. and figuratively. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless it's a, you know, if you're buying a 1975 Steve Garvey, I doubt it's trimmed. Right. Someone took it, you know, but, you know, there's no way I'm buying a 1950 Bowman Jackie Robinson wrong. Right. Personally. And there's no, just so everybody knows, there's no guarantee that those aren't trimmed either. We're not, Correct. you know, uh, all the grading companies, none of them are perfect. Yeah. I mean, they're human beings, but they, they make mistakes, but and, go ahead. You know, don't get caught up in the years of vintage either. I mean, what do they say? Technically Mike, it's 79 or 80 back. And if you look at a lot of dealers only buying 75 and back for me personally, vintage is 83 and back. And that's only because that's when I quit collecting cards as a teenager. So 83 is my memory of collecting cards as a kid. There's no set rule on what is vintage. I mean, stuff in the 90s is technically vintage if you go by the years. Um, and, and we're not resellers. So for me, I don't care if it's an 82, 83. And I know you collect well past that. Um so unless you're looking to as purely an investment, it, it again goes back to what you like. I like 83, 82, 81 because it's memories for me. And that's what a lot of this vintage does is it brings back memories collecting. But, you know, there's guys like Jake and uh, Alex, younger guys in the hobby that love vintage. And it's so cool to see those guys collecting it too. Because um, I sometimes feel it shows it's a lot of older guys 
sitting down with their list, picking out cards. And it, it's nice to see some of the younger guys that love baseball and the history of it. Yeah. Um, I've got a 16 year old son who I try getting him to go to shows, you look at stuff and he, he could care less. And um, I wish I could share that with him, but. Yeah. I you just, can't force it. No. I mean, I know that as a kid and an, and especially as an adult with everything that's out there, I, I never saw Mantle or Clemente or any of those guys play Mays, Aaron. I, you know, I was just being born when they were retiring. So it doesn't matter. I never saw Ruth or Gehrig or, but I've just learned. Say you that love Lou Gehrig. I love Stan Musial. We didn't see neither one of us saw those guys play. But we've learned about them over the right. years. We've we've taken the time to educate ourselves about the great stories and listening. And I mean, I remember I wa I read when I read Glory of Their Times, which I've told this story. You listen to that on tape or yeah. audio? Yes. Oh my god, is that awesome? So much better on audio. Yes. Way to everyone out there, Glory of Their Times. And I it all all it made me do is I was listening to it and I read it as well was want to go buy cards of those players. Right. And, and they're all, you know, T206s and T205s, T207s, that, those kind, that era, you know, cigarette era cards, some candy stuff. But I was just looking for cards because I wanted to connect the stories that I read and heard yep. to something I could look at and go, man, this is the guy that Rube Markard was talking about or that so, you know what I mean? Or the, Merkel Boner or the this or that, right? All these different things that I never saw in person. And yet right. it connected with me at a level that I can't explain uh, very well, but it's definitely there, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think those interviews were the early mid sixties they were taking. So yeah. a lot of those guys were still around, even though they were pretty old then, but just to hear people that actually played against Ty Cobb, Walter Johnson, Christy Matthewson, you know, we all know they're great. But to actually hear someone who played with them or against them, oh, it's if it's a great resource. Um, another great resource if you pick up any of the Frank Slocum books, you can get them on eBay. And, and are you familiar with those, Mike? No, they're the uh, he's got I don't have one in front of me, it, it's pictures of every year. So he's got three of them, I think. So the one starts from the 1800s to 1956, and then the next one goes 53 to 90. Okay. He's got photos of every card in the book. Oh, wow. Um, so if you go on eBay, I have those. I, I actually have it right over there. If you don't care if I get up and get it real quick. I don't care if you go get right. it. The people listening on podcast might care because they can't see you, but that's all right. What's Who's the author again? Frank Slocum. Frank. I'm writing that down. So like here, I'll just, I don't even know what page I'm going to open to, but look. So here's 75. Oh, so cool. Well, let's just randomly go back to 65. Wow. So it's just a really fun book to go through. I mean, you can spend hours on it, but, you know, just go on PSA's website or just Google any of these years of cards. You're going to see the cards. Um, yeah. Another thing that made me connect a lot was the baseball documentary by Ken Burns. Ken Burns, right. You know, um, Reading, I had all these books when I was a kid that, you know, the superstars of baseball, you know, stuff. This is all stuff written in the 80s about stuff that happened in the 
you know, from 1900 to the sixties, I would guess. And it always so cool to read about that stuff. And then the Ken Burns documentary took it to another level for yeah. me because you could see it. They had clips and they would do interviews and, you know, integrate all of that together. It became more alive to me. And uh, so all of these things that you're talking about, that I'm talking about are ways you can, if you go, I don't know what I like, right? Okay. I get that. Do some of this stuff. If, But the, I think the core of it is you have to love baseball, right? I mean, if you, if right. you don't love baseball and have an inkling to learn history, you're probably not going to appreciate vintage. And you're and gonna... again, we're, we're just talking about baseball because that's what Mike and I prim primarily collect. But if you're a basketball fan or football or hockey, yeah, that's certainly everything cool. applies what yeah. we're saying here to those sports. You just for sure go after those cards. Yeah. But if you don't, if you can't make a connection somehow, you're going to end up spending money on vintage that you just find unfulfilling. Right. Yeah, you have to love it. Like for me, I'm not into comic books. I know you are. Right. And I just I have no urge to learn about them. Don't know if I go to a flea market, one's worth a hundred thousand or a dollar. I know nothing about it. Um, but if I had a desire or passion, I would obviously, you know, don't get into this just because you want to make money. Um, yeah, because you gotta know what you're buying. Yeah. Um, and, and vintage collectors, we're not in it for that. I don't really know many people that, you know, unless you're a dealer, but you know, everyone I know here on YouTube is pretty much a collector. Right. And, um, and, and don't feel that you have to, you know, we keep saying this over and over again, that you have to buy the most popular cars or the most expensive, like we both have them, but last january or not last january january before 21 i was looking for a cheap way to collect and we have a great negro league history here in pittsburgh with the grays and the crawfords and um so i started researching guys that played in the minor leagues and major leagues and start picking up their cards they're, they're really not worth anything the guys most of you have never heard of because i'm purposely not doing the jackie robinson's the ernie banks the hank aaron those guys but I don't know anything about them. As I do a show, I should back up. I do a show, minor league, uh, not a show, but a, a videos, minor league, no, Negro league to major league. And as I decide to do one, I learn about those guys. And it's going back to what you said about glory of their times. Those seven, eight, nine dollar cards mean a lot to me now. Cause I'm like, yeah. wow, look at the history of this guy playing in the Negro leagues. And he got to play in the major leagues. Um, so there's so many ways to collect on here that you don't have to be breaking the bank to do it. I mean, you know, we all want those cards and, um, but we have other part of our collections too, that just, they mean something to you. Like I, I collect guys that grew up in Western Pennsylvania, get their cards for a dollar or something. And they're not all vintage, but. I collect guys that played at TCU. Yeah. Yeah. I do that with my Penn state football guys. Right. Yeah. It's what what I want to encourage people as you're listening to this, and this will probably be a shorter episode because Don and I could just keep repeating all the things, right? Which I kind of feel like I'm doing, a little but bit. you know, we don't have to exasperate the point. But I do want to say that don't be afraid to ask. Don't don't feel like I should know this because I've been collecting for X number of years, or 
They're going to think I'm stupid if I ask this question. You don't know until you ask. And don't be afraid to ask multiple people, you know, different questions and just let people help you. I don't, you know, we, especially men, we have a problem asking for help for anything, you know. Uh, but the reality is, if you, unless you want to learn trial by fire on your own, which is, I would tell you, a very dangerous and expensive proposition. Uh, let people help you. Let us tell you what mistakes that we've already made so that you can avoid them. I right? was just going to say that point because I know like Chuck Northside guy, he'll be the first to admit it. He's like, I jumped in and I saw this Dean's Cards guy. And for you guys that don't know, his cards are typically more expensive than other dealers. And he went crazy buying cards off him. Yeah. Live and learn, you know. But if you watch his videos, it's like, okay. I know I'm going to pay more from this guy. And uh, you're right about asking us. We all love, love, love this hobby. We wouldn't be on here as much as we are. And we love to talk about it. So if someone asks you a question, we're thrilled that you even have interest in it. Yeah. And uh, and again, keep in mind, it's just our opinion. It's not a fact. Just because I like it. Doesn't mean you like it, Mike, and vice versa. Um, yeah, but I tend just, to like a lot of. As long as you're having fun and enjoying it, you know, don't be afraid. To be honest, I'm more I'm intimidated by modern because there's so much out there, right? That I'm like, at least I know. Hey, Willie Stargell's rookie is 1963, and I know which card to get. You know, Wander Franco. I'm just showing you one. Bob Lewis gave it to me this weekend. It just happens to be sitting by me. Like. I'm not interested in having 200 cards of his. Right. So, yeah. Well, um, I think we'll cut it off there just because yeah. I think we've covered a lot of things. However, if you do have additional questions, uh, you can send them to me. Uh, happy to answer them on Instagram at baseball collector, Mike. Uh, if you're listening on podcast, if you're watching on YouTube or if you're watching on YouTube and you want to do it through Instagram, cause you're, for some reason, even though we've told you not to be embarrassed about asking that question because you feel silly, great. Send it to me on Instagram. If you want to put it down here and get other people's opinion as they read the chat on YouTube, great. Go for that too. But uh, Can I give you one story before we wrap up here? Yeah, sure. So last year was my first national. And I'm literally there for about 15 minutes. And I pick up this Hannes Wagner card. And, and I, I say to the dealer, I said, what do you want for this? He goes, 30. I said, how about 26? He's like, I can do 27. I'm like, fine. I'm not going to beat you up over a dollar. He meant $27,000. <laughs> I thought he was talking $27. I, so we all make mistakes. And I was so embarrassed. I walked away there like, oh, my God. Like, I, I couldn't imagine someone would let me hold a $30,000 card in my hand. But no, it was only twenty seven thousand because he was going to give it to you for twenty seven thousand. Right. So I laugh about it now, and I rip on myself. So you know what? I'm experienced, and look what I'm doing. I'm looking at a thirty thousand dollar car, trying to give the guy twenty six bucks. So <laughs> it is what it is. See, we all make mistakes. I've yeah. bought a bunch of fake autographs before. I, I mean, believe me, no one's immune, right? From uh, the school of hard knocks. No one gets out of that for free. So, uh, Don, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, man. Always. Anytime. Enjoy it. 
yeah, I will uh, see you guys hopefully next week. I, I plan on doing an episode next week. We'll see. But, uh, Don, I'll see you soon. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks, brother. All right, guys. Y'all take care. Keep collecting.